Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you're connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my substitute co-host, Nick Golner. How you doing, Nick? Substitute, man. You're like the substitute teacher. Yeah. They were my favorite because we would just watch movies. Exactly. Well, you have to be professional here. so. So where's Jim? Don't know. Don't know, but this is actually our second try at trying to record an episode, and I was really thrown off by not having my roadie here carry my equipment for me. Yeah, I noticed that. So I'm excited to actually record an episode today, because last time we got all the way up to it, and then you were like, hey, do you have the mics? <laughs> exactly, and I had nothing. I'm just used to Jim carrying all my stuff for me. I mean, I don't know if the if the Metalworking Nation knows this, but Jim's first job on making chips was carrying the equipment, and aka the roadie, and with him being gone, it, nobody was there to do that. Well, he's really grown a lot, you know? Yeah, he's matured. Now we let him host the show and be an important part of it, So, but we, we, we do miss him when, he, when you he's know, gone. I think he's in Vegas. Okay, could and be. He, he's doing a little gambling, and it, it might be a gamble for him to not be here because he may not have his spot back. Yeah. We might not give it back to him. So we always like to talk about the things that are keeping the manufacturing leader up at night. And I was wondering- Manufacturing is challenging. Well, we know that. But if you're connected to a community of leaders- There you go. So what's keeping you up at night? So I've been talking to my team about this for the last, like, say, week, and I've got one more week, week to go. But my wife and I are going on vacation on Saturday, and it's our anniversary, and I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm not taking my computer with me. And I'm going to be completely disconnected. So I'm impressed. It's only the second time I, I've done it. The first time was on our honeymoon. And I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm going to do it. And so everybody knows, like my right-hand man, Craig, if somebody needs to get a hold of me, they can contact him. He's going to know what hotel I'm at. And he has my wife's email address and he can email her, but I am completely disconnecting. So you, Nick, will not be able to get a hold of me unless you contact Craig. So I won't bother you. Yeah, exactly. So he'll he'll email your wife if there's a crisis and she'll be the filter on if it's important enough to tell Bingo. you. Bingo. Bingo. And that filter's probably going to be pretty loose. Like the, yeah. like the building has well, to be burning her first, down. Her first reaction was, really, I'm going to be getting 100 emails a day about stuff that they need to... I was like, no, everybody knows they're not going to buy me and I'm really not that important that they need to contact me that much. So how many years? This will be eight years. Wow. Congrats, yeah. man. Thank you. Yeah. And we're going back to Mexico where we got married. What I'll about be, you, Nick? What's keeping you up at night? Well, I, I'm actually thinking about the same thing. So I'll be in the Dominican Republic the first week in June and I'm going to try to disconnect a little bit. I don't think I'm going to have a filter, but yeah, just being pulled in so many different directions and kind of feeling like, how do you manage it all? And, and how do you take that time to have that work-life balance that we, we tell other people about, but we kind of yeah. suck at. So. Yeah. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm impressed. I really am. Yeah, absolutely. So what's going on at The Boring Bar, Nick? Well, for those that don't know, The Boring Bar is our weekly newsletter. It's like the conversations you would have at the bar with the other manufacturing leaders in your circle. And what you can get there is an original piece of content, usually written by me or someone on the team. You can get... So something related to the Making Chips episode and just like a little bit of a nuanced information, but in written form instead of podcast. Exactly. We'll kind of dive deeper on one of the themes that we talked about in the episode. And then we get a contribution from another manufacturing leader who can equip and inspire based on the topic that we discussed that week. And then, of course, we talk about the latest manufacturing news. So, Nick, what do we have for the manufacturing news today? 
Well, today's article comes from Modern Machine Shop and perfect article because I just had a conversation with Greg Jones from AMT when I was at East Tech and we were talking about when I went to like one of his sales training seminars like maybe six, seven years ago and just how much the industry has changed and how the training and the credentialing needs to change with it. So he was telling me about some new things that they have in play at AMT and with NIMS because he's on the board with NIMS and, and so today's article is NIMS partnering with Festo to develop industry 4.0 skill credentials okay so they're actually nims is going to have credentialing for industry 4.0 yeah and And what exactly does that mean well industry 4.0 is all about like the connected factory so you know machines talking to other machines and, and everything connected through a network so the article says in partnership with festo didactic which is that company making all those awesome mechatronic robots that you know act like animals and stuff check it out on youtube they've got some great stuff but they're partnering with them to develop skills standards and credentials for jobs involving manufacturing digitization and the industrial internet of things technologies the partnership will combine nims credentialing and training resources with festo's industry 4.0 learning factories, courseware, and e-learning integration. A couple other points from the uh, article. This is an exciting development for manufacturers and educators as it directly addresses both the data-driven revolution happening in manufacturing today and the skills gap. That's from Montez King, someone who we're going to be yeah, speaking I, with in the future. Yeah, I Montez and you were going to have him on the show. He is a, he's the executive director of NIMS and so obviously he thinks highly of the credentialing that NIMS offers and, and we're going to definitely get his perspective because, you know, there's a lot of alternative perspectives about credentialing and is it a barrier or is it good for the industry? And I think the answer is a little gray, but here at Making Chips, we want to get all sides of the story. Exactly. So we we can, just want to solve the skills gap problem. Exactly. And anyone who's doing anything for that, we're going to give them the platform. Montez says there's so many interdependent functions and abilities surrounding the industry 4.0. This effort will help to bring clarity to the proficiencies required, train people extremely well, and validate their expertise. And that's that's what we're looking for. That's great. Yeah, And, and validating somebody's expertise when you hire them is that's pretty huge. You have to know whether they can do the things that they say they can. You may be validating my expertise right now by giving me a mic and, and seeing if I make the cut. Yeah, you're not making it yet. So yeah, yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah. We, need to, we need to talk about that afterwards. So Nick, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, so our guest today is a manufacturing entrepreneur from Kentucky, the owner of Martin Manufacturing. He's a machine shop owner. He's a product innovator. And he's a work-holding advisor to manufacturers all around the world. They call him Stan the Trunnion Man. Welcome, Stan Martin. So Stan, welcome to the show. My first question is, Nick said they call him Stan the Trunnion Man. Did you call yourself that? Did you come up with that nickname or did somebody give that to you? Because I've had some friends over the over the years that they gave themselves nicknames just to sound cool. Is this a nickname you gave yourself? Uh, no. No, never. you actually were. Okay. No, I, I forget exactly who gave me that nickname. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's a cool nickname. Yeah. I, people say, just call Stan. I knew who it was. It was a dealer in Florida said a customer called him up. He said, you need to talk to Stan the Trunnion Man. And it's just stuck. And it's stuck, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us, the, tell us the origins of Martin Manufacturing and how you moved from being a job shop like Jim Carr to owning your own product line. I mean, that that is the dream of every job shop out there is to have their own product line, and you accomplished it. Yeah, it is. And uh, the, more than anything else, it happened by accident. I say that it happened because I was a lazy machinist. And because I was lazy... I said, man, I am tired of handling parts all the time and seeing my guys handle parts. So I literally 
one Friday afternoon, I went home from work. I'm sitting on the front porch, aggravated because this job that we quoted for X amount, we were getting killed on because of handling. And I was sitting there, literally had my feet propped up, drinking a beer. You weren't, you weren't drinking a bourbon? You're from Kentucky. No, no. bourbon. No, no bourbon allowed, no. <laughs> Bourbon-free household, no. So I had my feet kicked up, and, and it just dawned on me. I said, what the heck am I doing? I've got all these CNC machines. I've got rotary tables on them. Why don't I do this? And so I literally, on the back of a paper plate, started drawing. I went in that weekend. It took me about three days to make the first one. And from the rest, it was history. It just it it literally turned that first job. We were making getting about ten good parts a week to getting about forty good parts a day. And the customer was willing to pay the same either way, obviously. So I'd rather get forty good parts a day than ten a week. So did that job essentially help you to turn the corner on your product line and dedicate the time to be able to make that your own product, Martin Trunnion Tables? Well, I don't think it dawned on me right away. But as I started adding, adding other products to the mix, I realized, I mean, literally, I'm not exaggerating, some of our worst-paying jobs turned into our best-paying jobs because of one factor, handling. And how, and how popular are trunnion tables nowadays? Well, in our opinion, not near as popular as they should be. Most companies still look at it from the standpoint of, well, I have to have the right job to run which is, couldn't be any farther from the truth because there's very few jobs out there that you only handle one time. Most jobs that, you're, that machine shops, manufacturers are doing have to be handled a multitude of times, and that's exactly what our trunnion tables eliminate. And when you say handling, you mean like unclamping it, flipping it, clamping it again, and every single time you do that, there's opportunity for the part to be off. Exactly. And not only that, but all, the amount of time it takes for an operator to walk in, to wait for the machine to be finished, stand there staring at it, open the door, blow the part off, unclamp the part, reverse the part, rotate the part over, whatever you want to call it, close the door and hit cycle start again. And that's if they're at the machine. You know, if they're wandering around the shop, going to the bathroom, doing this, doing that, well, it takes even longer. So the, the way that we do it is we look at every part and say, all right, how can we put this in there so it comes out complete? You know, with the least amount of handling. And so our training tables, they are the answer to that. I mean, for the everyday job shop, it's a tool that starts at our lowest price one is around $2,000, and they go up the sky's the limit from there. But they start at $2,000, and for the average job shop, it gets them started. It gets them thinking. I've got customers that call me all the time and say, Stan, I need another one. I just ordered a new machine. I need another trunnion table because my guys won't run parts any other way. Once they start running parts on trunnion tables, they do not want to run the parts any other way. So anyone who's got a rotary indexer can get a fourth axis. That's the whole point, right? But I'm surprised that you're really the only one out there who's focused on just the trunnion table. I, I don't really see a lot of other people doing that. What, what were they doing before Stan the Trunnion Man? Well, I think the vast majority of customers, if, when a rotary table manufacturer sold them a, a rotary table, and the customers say, well, how do I tool this up? The rotary table manufacturer would say, Basically, you're on your own at this point. And this is why most rotary table manufacturers, even to this day, tell me that 80% of rotary tables sold are sitting in the corner of the shop collecting, collecting dust. Because especially in this day and age, as you guys well know, there are very few machinists out there that are capable of building tooling for rotary access 
machines. So that's what we're doing. We're providing them with a simple, simple piece of tooling that allows them to machine multiple sizes of the part in one setup. Yeah, because that's honestly how we would do it. We've done a couple trunnions here and there at, at Amrock, and it's been like, okay, what indexer do you want? And we'll build the table. And, and it was always, like you said, dedicated to a certain job that they wanted to do. They weren't really thinking, I want to buy a trunnion table as a foundation for multiple jobs. And some, I guess one of my questions is, like, there's so many different players in the work-holding world. How have you been able to carve out your own niche? Well, I think in the beginning is because we focused on, because my background obviously is in as a job shop machinist, that's what we focused on. We focused on how do I help the average job shop? And maybe I was a little bit afraid to go to the big boys. You know, Mazak is like five minutes away from us. I was maybe a little bit unsure to go to somebody like that and, and try to get them to sell it. So we focused on the job shop customers. And what I learned really quick was that I had better be willing and able to hold the job shop owner's hand to get them through that first batch of parts so they understood exactly what they could do with the trunnion table and how valuable it would be for them. We did, kind of developed our own niche because of that because most work-holding companies either don't want to take the time to help customers to that extent or don't have the people in-house to even be able to give each customer that much attention. But that's something that we really pride ourselves on. Even my guys, my engineers are really good on the phone working with customers and working through problems as they come along and how to, you know, how do I hold this part? How do I program from centerline rotation or should we set the tools off the top of the part or whatever? Both my engineers are great at talking to customers and, and that's the way I've got to keep it. So as Nick mentioned earlier, we have our, our chip-in program, and you recently wrote an article about a customer-centric culture. So that's a little bit about what you're talking about right now. So I would encourage the, the manufacturing leaders out there to read Stan's article about a customer-centric culture just to get a little bit more about his philosophy about that. So let's, let's kind of shift gears away from the actual Trunnion tables themselves and talk about what's your philosophy about competition and partnerships with other companies? Oh, I, I, feel, I, I feel it's vital. We could not be where we are today without partnering with companies like Coma Precision and Nick and Rotary Tables and and Haas has been a huge, huge partner of uh, of ours nationwide. The Haas Factor Atlas nationwide refer tons of material to us because they know that we're going to take care of the customer. And I feel like the only way that we're going to grow as a company is to not be selfish and say, no, that, you know, I want to keep all those ideas to myself. We've got to work with AME. We've got to work with Nikon. We've got to work with Coma. We've got to work with other work-holding companies to develop ideas that are going to work for the everyday machinists and the everyday job shop. And if we don't do that, we're not going to survive. Yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely key. It's like the old way was like, okay, we have to have the best ideas here. We got to hire all the smart people, make sure they work for us so that we can do all the R&D and keep the profits here, ship out the new ideas the fastest, be the first to market and, and have it all be us. And hopefully no one gets in here and figures out our secrets or else they could come become a competitor. And now it's this open innovation model where it's like, hey, there's a lot of other smart people who maybe know their space a little bit better. How can I partner with them and, and work together? How can R&D be a collaborative effort? How do we benefit from research that other people have done and use that research to you know, springboard our next new idea? Exactly. And so a lot of things have changed. And even, even at the family business, we've got 
three generations here. It's like just the mindset between first generation, second generation, and third generation. Like the they're a lot more guarded and protected yeah. than I am. Yeah, right, right. Our whole role in the supply chain is being a partner. I mean, we're a distributor. We don't manufacture anything ourselves. We have some product lines that we private label, but we're purely a distributor. So we rely completely on the partnerships that we have. I mean, we've sold some of your work holding products to our customers. When we saw a need and we saw a pain point that they had to solve, we went right to you guys because we knew that that it would solve the problem. So I think having those partnerships and not wanting to be, I guess I always use the word greedy about it is, is, is the right way to go because for us, it's all about delivering that savings to the customer and you can't do that alone. So Jim, the Metalworking Nation knows that we love ProShop ERP, but did you know that ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning? So it's software that helps you to plan and your whole enterprise is involved in it. So tell me what that means to you. Actually, I, I did know what ERP system Sure you did, meant. That's You know, I love acronyms, You right? know because I told you. I know. Well, you refreshed my memory, let me tell you that. But what I do know about ProShop ERP the cloud-based software that we're using at Car Machine and Tool is it is really a customer-centric platform. Everybody from the office to the guy out in the shop is engaged with the software every day. They come in, they clock in, they they track their time against work orders. Everyone knows when the part has to get out for maybe a five-day finish. They know what the delivery date is. We are keeping the customer at the apex of importance in the company. And everybody in the company is involved in that. Everybody knows. That's the way that it needs everybody to be. Everybody has access enterprise. to it. The entire enterprise, the entire facility. Everyone knows there's no more mistakes. That's the deadline. Everyone has access to the, the delivery date, and you have to be accountable for it. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. So there's all sorts of different forms of partnerships. You've got your manufacturing partners. Maybe they help you make your product. You know, everyone's got a supply chain. You've got your application engineering partners. You've got sales partners. So you were talking about Haas and how the factory outlets work very closely with you. How much are they just letting you do the engineering? How much are you working with them to serve the customer? 95% of it is them just letting us do the engineering because Haas as a company is so busy that their applications engineers are basically solving problems for existing customers already, solving so many problems that at least all the application engineers that I deal with directly they work a million hours, and they're always under the gun to get stuff done. So they trust us. They say, Stan, here's the guy's name, number, see what you can do. And so we work through the problems. If there is a question, I call the application engineer and say, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? Or sometimes I'll even I'll email the models of what we have and say, hey, you know the customer. You've been in this plant many times. What do you think? And that works out great because maybe they see something that we didn't because They've been messing around with these parts for some time also. So it's just it's a great collaboration between them and us. And if you were regard. paranoid about like, okay, maybe they'll steal our, our models and go start doing it direct or whatever, you wouldn't have that kind of, that kind of collaboration. No way, no way. And, and they're not about that. Not only Haas, but all the machine tool dealers we work with, whether it's Ellison or Gossiger or Methods, they, wanna, they want happy, satisfied customers. And if we can do that for them, so be it. You know, they, they don't need to have their hand in everything. 
it's hard to keep a happy, satisfied customer when you're so busy, you can't hardly get the product out the door. Do you do you have a strong supply chain of manufacturing partners too? We do, but in the last couple of years, I think we'd all be a little naive to admit that it's been tough. It's been tough getting supplies, whether it's uh, hydraulics or pneumatics or brake parts, whatever. It's been very difficult to, to keep up with the demand. And sometimes we'll, we'll be late on orders because we can't get a certain hydraulic component. Yeah, I think that this feverish economy brings its own set of problems that a recession has its own problems and a feverish economy has its own problems. There's a lot of stress involved nowadays. I just want like a, an economy that's nice and consistent and not, not too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how do you plan to continue to innovate through partnerships? Exactly what we're doing. We've worked very hard to, to form strong partnerships with the Machine Tool Dealer Network around the country. We're working directly with AME, who has an incredible portfolio of products that, that we think need to be out in the marketplace. I, like I said before, I don't, I don't think there's any way that we can grow unless we partner with the AMEs of the world because there's just not enough time in the day. There's not enough talent out there to handle the stuff that they provide. And that's one of the things that we learned from our conversations with you is like people are going to buy the convenient solution that's kind of plug and play. And when people would ask us for fourth axis solutions on a vertical, we'd be like, okay, what indexer are you going to buy? And then do you want us to do this? Do you want us to do that? And what you've been able to do is like kind of standardize and put packages together where it's like, okay, if you've got this machine, here you go. This is everything you need to get started. Right. And so we're we're hoping to take that to the next level with you where it's like, okay, now you've got the trunnion, it fits the machine that you own. What what are you actually clamping the part with and how do we provide the complete package that allows them to continue to scale like that? Right. So what Nick's saying is that we offer right now, we have offered for some time rotary table packages. So if the customer doesn't already have a rotary table, or even if they do, they send us the rotary table or we we purchase the rotary table, we mount it to a base plate, we mount the trunnion table to it. And now what we're doing is we're taking it even one step further. We will now be putting all the work holding onto the trunnion so that when the customer receives the package, it's one, you know, it's all bundled together. They're ready to start cutting chips instead of saying, all right, now I got the trunnion table. How am I going to mount the rotor table? Or I got the rotor table. What am I going to use for tooling for the rotor table? We're trying to simplify that whole process so that it's easy. It's, it's one purchase order to one person, and we take care of the whole thing for them. And that's a big part of like what I have to do is just make it easy and, and do a lot of the education. So I work with a lot of the zangers of this world on, okay, so now you, ha- you have this to offer, and you don't have to figure out all the nuanced details of you know indexer to trunnion table to tooling. Like We'll explain how to find opportunities out in the field, and then we'll provide the package where it's like, okay, here. Now you've got what you need. So for me, it's just educating, just going around, talking to the dealers, talking to the distributors and being like, look, we'll make it as easy as possible. Let Stan be the trunnion man. We'll be the clamping man. And we'll try to make it easy for you to solve problems for your customers. Yeah. I mean, p- part of our partnerships that that make things successful for Zangers is that we're, we almost become like a, like a project manage, manager for continuous improvement. And it's a matter of us being the connector. It's, you know, customers come to us for a pain and we know where to go for the person that's going to take away that pain. And there's a thousand solutions out there and there's, there's always the best one. And that's, that's, that's our role is, is project managing that continuous improvement and being the connector in the marketplace. So Stan, 
it's been great. I, I learned I learned about Trunyan tables more than than what I had known before. So it's definitely great to to hear from you and understand how you how you work through some of your partnerships and 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 also just how you went from being a machine shop to having your own product line. Like I said, you're the you're the envy of the machine shops out there that want to accomplish just what you want to do. And I, I would encourage everybody out there if you do have that pain point, figure out how to solve it. I mean, there's so many so many companies out there have been created just based on solving that pain that they have in their own lives. And, and that's what you did. So thank you for being a part of Making Chips. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So Nick, do you have any closing thoughts? I just want to tell the Metalworking Nation, if you if you like the episodes that you listened to, if you thought that they equipped or inspired you, you can help us get the message out there by leaving a kind review or a positive rating on whatever podcast player you're listening to. That's really the currency of the podcasting world. So we're all about bringing this community together and, and elevating manufacturing leadership. And you can help us do that by leaving a review. I think at the end of the day, we talked a lot about your tagline, stop handling start machining and if you're handling your part you're not making chips and if you're not making chips you're not making money bam metalworking nation listen up manufacturing is challenging you need to think differently the day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies the pressure to grow customer demands workforce development new machine tools and robots the list goes on and on It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. Okay, different. Sorry, my um, bad. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. You're better. only. I'm. I'm like almost 200 episodes in. You're this only is like, like you know three. five. So yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> you're gonna learn. It's okay.